It hurts me to say it. I often think of what I can do for myself now to study, because I see that there are teachers here, but I can no longer go to school. I do not have the opportunity because now I am giving it to my kids. So I tell my daughters, study because you have the opportunity. Maria Dolores is the mother of six girls in the rural indigenous community of Las Arugas, Guatemala. I met her while I was on a classroom trip abroad in February of this year. And to say her story is nothing short of amazing is an understatement. You see, Maria Dolores had dreams of becoming a doctor when she was a young girl. She wanted to help the people of her community and possibly save lives. But she didn't get to. She had to get married at 15 to help her family, a sacrifice many women in this community have had to make. I'm Megan Secord, an aspiring radio journalist and female advocate, and you're listening to Les Femmes, the podcast about hard topics in women's lives. I know what you may be thinking. Why did she have to give up her dreams and get married? Well, to answer that question, we'll have to start at the beginning. The pages of a large part of Guatemala's history are soaked in blood. From 1960 to 1996, a civil war between the Guatemalan government and leftist rebel groups raged. It killed an estimated 200,000 people, most of whom were Mayan, the indigenous people of the country. War is nothing new to the world, but this one was named the Silent Holocaust for a reason. Forced disappearances, civilian executions, sexual violence, mass graves, and ultimately genocide were the direct results of the government-run death squads. Those mass graves are now being dug up, and DNA is being tested to try and give some families closure. The voice you will hear translating the stories being told in Spanish is Maria Jose Hidalgo Candesa, a mom of three from Canada, who was raised in Guatemala until she was six, and then moved to Honduras. She accepted my invitation to translate so she could tell the story of Guatemala's war and how it affected so many families, including her own. Maria Jose remembers the last time she saw her dad. It was September 24th, 1982. She was six years old and her dad was putting her on the bus to go to school. He told her to go to the neighbor's house when she got home because he wasn't going to be back from taking her brother to the doctors yet. He gave me a big hug, put me in the first um, step of the bus, and we said goodbye. That was the last time I saw my dad. When Maria Jose got home from school, she did as she was told and went to the neighbors. The night dragged on, and when he didn't arrive, 
she decided to wait on her front porch. Next thing she knew, her aunt and uncle came to get her after they found her little brother, who was only two, outside of their house. He had been thrown against the metal garage door and left behind. They were all, all run outside to see what was it, the big noise, and it was my brother. And they saw my father's car being driven by whoever, we don't know who, um, and just left. So we all always, you know, kind of like supposed that my father probably told them, do whatever you want to do to me, but don't do anything to my son. After that, Maria's uncle took her and her little brother to Honduras, where her mom had just said goodbye to her own mother. Her grandmother had just passed away, and her mom was there handling her affairs and saying goodbye. That was the last time Maria Jose was in Guatemala, until two years ago. She doesn't remember much about the war itself, but has fragments of memories, such as not playing music too loudly, or her parents having to hide books that weren't allowed. The genocide made it impossible for her family to find out what exactly happened to her father. Her uncles even went back to Guatemala to try and find him. They went to every single hospital, to every single morgue. They visit uh, common graves and, and they went everywhere they could go. They left after being threatened through notes under their hotel doors to not look any further. The same thing happened with one of her parents' friends, who still lived in the country. He was told to just stop looking. And the last thing that we got as information of where my father or, you know, whatever information we could was a, a letter from um, a colonel somewhere in Guatemala that sent my mother a letter saying that um, my dad's body had been seen in a common grave in Quiche. The genocide in Guatemala is called the Silent Holocaust because even today, people are still afraid to talk about it. Maria Jose and her family didn't speak about what happened while she was growing up because they were afraid of what would happen to them. And they lived in another country. So we couldn't even say my father was taken and never found. At six years old, I remember the lame excuse they gave me to say is that my father had had a heart attack, but my father was 27 years old. She believes her dad was taken because he was helping those in need. He was a doctor who refused to discriminate. My father was a doctor and his heart was in helping people. And as a matter of fact, that's why he was taken because he was helping indigenous communities. He was he was giving the care and, you know, the medical care that they needed when they were coming with lacerations and, you know, all this kind of problems from the war and what was happening. But what does this have to do with Maria Dolores's crushed dreams of becoming a doctor? Well, one of her family members was also a victim of the death squads. 
I did not attend primary school. Why? Because I was six years old when my father was kidnapped. I had the illusion to study, but I did not have the opportunity to do so. We were all young, four sisters and one brother. She gave up school to help her mother raise the little ones. My mom started selling tortillas. She would go to people's houses and wash their clothes, and I would stay to look after my little brother. Then he grew up, and then we started to work. We would wake up every day at 3 in the morning, and we would go to bed at 10. I've learned this is a familiar story, not only for the women of Las Rugas, but many of the Mayan communities scattered throughout Guatemala. Women were not seen as equal when Maria Dolores was younger. Therefore, they were often taken out of school to help run the household. They were also not sent to school because it was expensive, so their parents opted to send the boys instead. She says raising girls still has its challenges. She has six of them after all. But it is not as hard as it used to be. Today, they are much more likely to go to school, and their mothers push them to have dreams beyond babies and marriage. For mothers of the community, this has become their battle cry. Because I do not have a father, I think the situation happened to me. Many people tell me, study, learn, is never too late. But there is not enough money because I have to help my daughters, so I do not have enough to pay for my studies. I do want to see them, my children, get ahead, become teachers or doctors, or whatever they choose. They will get married, they will, but all at its given time. It's not only the women who are encouraging girls to go to school, though. The attitudes of fathers are changing as well. Gonzalo Lem, Maria Dolores' husband, wants his daughters to get an education so they can support themselves later on in life. That is why I tell my daughters, study. What you will learn will be all for you. Life is so difficult, you will have children and you will need a job. So first, study. But then, you see what my daughter did? And, and then there's the older twins, who are 19, are listening and getting ahead. They are already finished their studies. Just like I said to my wife, together we help each other to send our children to school. Gonzalo wanted to be a teacher when he was younger, but he also had to leave school early to help feed his family. He knows what it is like to give up a dream as well. So, he is pushing his girls to follow their passions, even though finding the money to pay for university seems nearly impossible. Although one of his daughters is pushing hard to get through school, another felt the pressures of living in a rural community and opted to get married instead of finishing high school. 
It was her own decision. She did not want to take advantage to study. It's been hard because now she has two kids of her own and her husband doesn't have a job and it is hard for them. Sometimes I help them with their daily meals because they are my children, even though I still have to provide for the ones at home. Gonzalo's other daughter, 16-year-old Glenda, has big dreams, similar to her mother's. I would love to be, and I will do it. I would like to become a doctor. She knows it is going to be a lot of work, but is determined to accomplish her mother's dream from so many years ago. Tears stream down her face as her mother talks about what it means to see her daughter succeed where she couldn't. Glenda is grateful to live in another time and hopes to set an example for younger generations of what can come from working hard in school. She often works with her female classmates to help the little girls in the community feel empowered. I will tell them to keep on going and know you're going to get there, but realize there's generations of girls coming behind us as well. So we have to set an example so they feel empowered and motivated. Glenda says she does this because she has been fortunate enough to have women who've shown her what strength, intelligence, and grace looks like and she wants to be that role model for someone, too. I feel very proud and happy because as much as I am setting an example, I have received many great examples of girls, and it is very empowering because we have felt the discrimination of not having the opportunity of an education. I met Glenda and her family while in Las Arugas. Her mom, along with other women in the community, took care of more than 10 of us for a week. We lived in their community center, and they graciously kept it clean, boiled water for our showers, and most of all, made us feel like family. Their stories and love will forever stay with me and everyone else who got to meet them, especially Maria Jose. Maria Jose spent a lot of time trying to find out what happened to her father. She even went as far as to fly out to Guatemala in 2018 to deliver DNA that can be tested with remains being found in mass graves. The feeling of having unanswered questions is something the women of Las Rugas understand as well. They trusted her with their stories and welcomed her into their hearts almost immediately. I was definitely an honor that I did not expect to be able to earn their love and their trust that way. I um, yeah, that's something that is very, very like I, I, I feel that I have um, a responsibility towards their need to share these topics is also very beautiful 
when you get to share it because you realize that you're not by yourself, right? There's a lot of people that have gone through and a lot of forceful disappearances that happen in Guatemala that people are still dealing with. It wasn't just the shared experience that made her feel at home, though. It was the little things, too. Things such as enjoying a bag of mango verde, or getting to roam supermarkets with food she hasn't gotten to eat in forever. Getting to introduce newcomers, like me, to a place she loves so much, and connecting in a language she only rarely uses outside the home in Canada. But her favorite part was just getting to talk with the women of the community. Having to spend some time with them every afternoon outside and the, you know, with the fire when they were boiling the water so we could have showers. That was great because, yes, we talk about the war, but we talked about a lot of other things like, you know, their families and how many kids they had and what age they were. And we understood each other. We, we shared a lot. In, in, in little time, we shared a lot. I got to know their daughters. That was very empowering. Getting to know more than one generation it was very empowering. Shared experiences or not, I connected with Maria Jose and the women of Las Arugas, too. She trusted me with a story she stopped telling in Canada because it made people uncomfortable. And the women in the community trusted an outsider with a heavy weight they've been carrying their whole lives. They became my inspiration for what I do and really made me stop and think about what I want my career in storytelling to look like. They gave me something I don't think I can ever repay them for. Another place to call home. In the Oshoe, Las Arugas. I'm positive that I'll be back again. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Les Femmes. I'd also like to thank Durham College, Students Offering Support, and the Fund for Innovation and Transformation, a program of Global Affairs Canada, for their support in making this episode possible.